Welcome. Um, how many of you guys growing up, um, you played the game, uh, you've ever played the game, Would You Rather? You guys, you guys want to know what I'm talking about? They say, uh, uh, well, well, here's the deal with that game. There, there are no, really, there are no right or wrong answers with the game, Would You Rather? And, and so uh, I, I'll show you real quick how to play. Um, so would you rather eat Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell? Like, easy. Who says Chick-fil-A? Who says Chick-fil-A? Who says Taco Bell? Who says neither? That's not how you play the game. That's not how you play the game. It's not, it's, no, it's not. It's, it's called would you rather, not would you neither. So would you rather, once again, Chick-fil-A or Taco Bell? All right, all right. So that's how it goes. Would you, there's no like wrong answer. It's would you rather not would you neither. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys a few more, a couple more of these. Um, question, would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? Who says they'd rather be rich? Who says they'd rather be famous? Who didn't raise their hand once again at all? Come on. You got to have a vote here. Who would rather be rich? Who would rather be famous? Okay, next one, next one. All right, I want everybody full participation this time. Here we go. Would you rather be a leader or a follower? Who says leader? Who says follower? It depends on who you're following, right? Okay, whatever. All right, all right, last one, last one, last one. Here we go. I need everybody to participate. Would you rather make a baby cry or kick a puppy? Make a baby cry? Kick the puppy. <laughs> okay, let me try that again. Would you rather make a baby cry or kick a cat? Yeah, my people. Yes. Love you guys. You guys are the best. All right. So, uh, and here's the deal. Here's the thing about, here's the thing, listen. Here's the thing about that would you rather game, like, and it's, it's easy and the challenge is to come up with some questions that are like fairly balanced, you know, um, here, here's the deal. Girls are usually good at this game. Um, and boys are usually terrible at this game. Um, because guys make up questions like, would you rather eat ice cream or burn to death in lava? You know, that's typically a guy's question. Like, a girl, a girl's question, like they they make questions to have conversation, to converse. Like boys design questions to win. I want to win, right? And like that's that's why males appear to have zero chance of understanding females. And that's another sermon for another time. But um, would you rather? Just that term, it, it's not a new concept. It's not something brand new. It's, not a, it's been around a, lot of, a long time. And as odd as it may sound, God has been asking the would you rather question since the beginning of humanity. Since the beginning of time, he's been asking the would you rather. He's basically saying, would you rather live your way or live my way? And you don't have to vote on that one. Or he, he's saying, would you rather, basically he's saying, would you rather live a status quo, the same old, same old, like simply survival type of life? Or would you rather live a wild adventure being a follower of Jesus? See, I'm sure God has, has a preferred answer. Um, 
But as an expression of his gracious love, he allows us the freedom to choose what we would rather do. He, he gives us that freedom. And so today I want to look at that question today. Would you rather be a Christian or a disciple? And that's already been up there. And we're, a lot of you guys may be like, oh, isn't that the same thing? That's like all about following Jesus, right? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. And, and I'm not going to say tonight that being a Christian is a bad thing. But basically, I'm just going to make some, some comparisons tonight. So I want to bring a little kind of little clarity to what the term, the word Christian actually means. So for us, being a Christian, uh, it's, it's merely believing a few things to be true. And if we believe these things, then we're Christian. And, and, but this kind of superficial meaning of, of Christian it's kind of created some problems. It's kind of created some problems for us who are followers of Jesus. And it's, it's officially, what's the word I'm trying to say? Essentially, that's it, not officially. Um, we've got a lot of Christians who don't look anything like Jesus, who don't resemble anything of Jesus. We don't resemble his teachings. Um, and the word Christian seems to have lost its meaning, kind of like the word love. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Like everyone throws around the word love. Now, I love tacos. Like I love, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love Reese's Pieces. Mm. I love the Oklahoma Sooners. (laughs) I love having the remote control. Or if you grew up where I come from, they call it the clicker. Okay. Um, I love dogs, not cats. Yeah, okay, okay. I love Twizzlers. Yeah? I love my friends. My family made of friends. I love to read. Okay, okay. I love to go to movies. Yeah. I love the samples at Costco. Yeah. I love Jesus. I I love I love people falling. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird thing about I don't know why, but I love to see people fall down. It's like really funny. Um I love Chick-fil-A. Except on Sunday. Do you see how we use that word love? Like we compare love to food and then love to Jesus or love to loving our family or our friends, and we compare it to food. And, and so this word love, I, I think it, it don't have the meaning that it's, it's supposed to have. When I was dating Kristen, uh, we dated for three years um, before we got married. And I would not, I would say I like you a lot. Like I, I was so afraid because the word love, to me, like... <laughs> That was weird. <laughs> to me, the word love, and, and in my family, we didn't just toss that word around either. We, we grew up, and when we said we love you, it was like a deep, meaningful thing. It was something that had purpose. It wasn't just a word that we threw around. It was something that we, when we say it, we mean it. And it was, it was an important word, and it was a strong word, and it was a powerful word. And, and like when I was, like I say, when I was dating Kristen, like I would be like, we were dating for like two years, and I said like, I like you a whole lot. I couldn't like say the the. I la 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 la. 
I couldn't. I, it just wouldn't. You know what I'm talking about? Like I couldn't. I, and and I I knew it. But I knew like it means commitment. It means something like really serious. And then like I, I finally like when I said that she was like, oh, like it it meant something. It was something important because that's not a word that I just throw around. And so love, it's be kind of come. It's kind of become a, a kind of a weak word. It's something that people just throw around a lot. And the word love, it begins to have like some type of meaning, like when, when it's when it's expressed, like oh, his love for donuts is the same as his love for his daughter. No, I would not give my life for donuts, as good as they are. Krispy Kreme or Lamar's or Dunkin' Donuts, any of that stuff. I wouldn't give my life for a donut. But my daughter, I would fight to the death. You know what I'm talking about? That word, it's got such power and it's got such meaning. And 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 the, the same is, is true with the word Christian. It's, it's kind of been weakened. It's kind of been beaten down, actually. It's kind of been made fun of. And, and it only gets its real definition when there's action behind it. See, the word Christian only appears three times in the Bible. And it's not even really defined in the Bible. But the word disciple in the Bible, it's, it's actually, it's kind of a terrifying term. Because it's so clearly defined in scripture it's clearly defined so the difference between a christian and a disciple is simply this a christian is about what one believes but a disciple is about what a person actually does it's about action and i want to encourage you guys to take some notes tonight if you can if you're able to to write some things down because there's some things i want you to know tonight Uh, another way to look at it could be like this a christian can often become an act. It's, it's an act. We put on a good front. We put on a good show. We act like a Christian. But disciple, a disciple, is always action. It's action. It's putting, it's putting motions. It's putting movement. It's putting actually doing something to saying you're a follower of Jesus. See, because a, a lot of people act like they're a Christian. A lot of people act the right way and say the right things. Um, like, like a Christian and they, they, people assume that they're Christian because they're not Muslim and they're not Buddhist and they're not atheist or any other kind of ist. Um, or, or they think they're Christian because I'm a Christian because I, I think people in the South where I come from, people just assume that they're Christian because they're born in America. I was born here. I'm a Christian. Maybe not anymore in our world, but, um, which it's always kind of been interesting to me because, um, I, I don't suppose, like, if you were born in Starbucks, would that make you a Frappuccino? Like, no. Um, so so maybe you're here tonight, and, and you're just, you're still kind of learning, and you're still uh, experiencing church, and you're get to, getting to know church, and maybe you're curious tonight, or maybe you're even forced to be here. You're not into church or Christianity, um, and, and tonight you're probably, like, thinking, that, that's what I've been saying. That's what, that's what's. I'm trying to say to you people, like, Christians don't seem to look very much like Jesus at all. And that's why, that, that's maybe what you're saying, and that's why I don't like church, or that's why I don't like Christians. That's why I don't uh, um, pay attention to what they have to say. That's why I decided all, against all of this stuff, and I'm just here tonight, and I'm going through the motions because my parents 
made me be here, and I'm going to be here until I graduate. And maybe that's you, and maybe that's what you're saying tonight. Um, and, and I want you to learn to love Jesus and to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Um, I, I've heard some people use the word apprentice in the same way that they use the word disciple. Um, An apprentice is someone who follows the ways of their master teacher. Uh, If you want to be a carpenter, uh, you you like carpentry, you could be an apprentice to someone who has mastered the craft of carpentry. Um, You're an apprentice until you have learned the craft and you're as good as the master teacher. So for a minute, consider yourself tonight an apprentice to the master, Jesus. See, Jesus is the master and you are the apprentice. I, I, I love the, the imagery of an apprentice to Jesus. And that's kind of a good way to think of what a disciple is. As a disciple, your apprenticeship with Jesus, it's not over until your life is indistinguishable from that of the master. So the first group uh, of followers of Jesus, they seemed to embrace the title. They were actually called followers of the way. That was their title, kind of. It was followers of the way. And this appears to mean that the early disciples had chosen to live their lives by a different way. They were different than everyone else, the, the way of Jesus. So here I got a, I got a verse I want to read to you tonight. And this verse, it kind of paints a picture for how disciples are to be different. It's in Matthew 5, 13, starting in 13. And I want you guys to know this, write it down, remember it, read it on the screen with me. It says this, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither Do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl? Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, in this verse, Jesus, he uses these two different images to describe um, how we are to be different, and that is salt and light. Yes, that's salt and light. And so why, why would he say salt? Why would he describe us as salt? Well, let me explain. During biblical times, um, you guys may not know this or realize that, but they didn't have refrigerators. Huh, amazing, right? No, there was no form of refrigeration. They didn't have electricity, no refrigerators. Like, oh, like couldn't open the door. And like in the summertime, couldn't open it and just stand in there. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I do. Um, there was no refrigeration available. So salt was used as a preservative to counteract decay in meat. So they would take the meat that they want to eat, cover it with salt, and it would help preserve the meat. And, and here's the deal. Unless there's like a huge pile of it, salt, it's not really seen. It's not something that you see really well. Like when you're salting your fries, you're like, oh, I always get too much because you can't see it coming out. And, and it's not seen, but it's definitely sensed. You can sense when salt is there, and the impact of salt, it's unmistakable. Who loves salt? Anybody loves salt? Come on, where's my salty people? Yeah, 
uh, I, I add salt to salty food, right? Like, I put salt on bacon. Like, I actually like to add salt to my salt, you know. Um, but Jesus is saying, you are salt to the world around you. Here's, the deal. Here's what he's saying. He's saying people can't see God, but they should sense him because of you. He's saying they can't see God, but they should sense him because of you. And now with, with light, he's, that's, that's salt, but with light, he's saying the same thing. He's saying, you are the light of the world. While, while salt has this, it's got this powerful, um, invisible nature to it, light has obviously a more visible presence, right? Hello. It's got a more visible presence. Um, just Even just a little bit of light penetrates the darkness. It goes through the darkness. And, and here's the deal. Salt is sensed. Light is seen. Bottom line, the, the followers of the way were disciples. The disciples, they're called to be sensed and seen in the midst of this world. This is why I want you to get this. I want you guys to understand this tonight. Um, Jesus didn't come to simply enhance your life with religious rules. That's not what he's here for. It's not just a bunch of rules to follow. But what he came to do is he came to transform your life, to revolutionize your life, to empower your life for something so much more than what this world has to offer. He's called you to live different, to, to invite you on this incredible, adventurous journey to follow him for, for a richer, deeper, more radical and meaningful life. Today, Jesus, he, he might say something like this, like some of you guys, you, you've heard it before. Go to church, read your Bible, tithe, get in a small group, listen to sermons, serve. But I tell you, surrender your heart to me. Follow me. Learn from me. Be my apprentice. Allow me to transform you and mold you into my likeness. So let's take a look at kind of where this depth starts. And, and I've got three really quick things tonight. Um, and I want to give you three like kind of would you rather uh, questions that I believe I want, I want you to honestly answer if you want to live some, a life more than just the title Christian. So the first thing is this. It's a question of desire. It's a question of desire. Um, basically, am I really drawn to follow Jesus or would I rather just play the part? Like, am I really drawn? Am I really, really following Jesus? Or am I just playing the part? Am I just playing games? For some, playing the part of Christian, it's going to church and singing the songs and going through the motions and knowing you got you to know some churchy terms. Like, you got to know saved. You got to know call people brother and sister. Um, you know, you got you to gotta know... Um, I, what the cross is, and you, got, you know, you, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, I, I'm hallelujah, praise the Lord. You say the right terms, you do the right things. You know what I'm saying? You pray when you close your eyes at the right times of the worship songs. We raise our hands at the right times. 
and, and we were just playing the games. And But the question of desire is, am I really drawn to follow Jesus? Am I really drawn to follow him? And, and kind of before you give your Christian answer, let, let's kind of consider real quick some of the costs to following Jesus. Um, because following Jesus isn't always all rainbows and butterflies. Um, it, it's not owning the title Christian. It's, it's giving up ownership of being in charge. Now, some of you guys, you like to be in charge. You're like, I want to tell everyone what to do, and everyone's going to listen to me and do what I say. But being a follower of Jesus, no matter what it is, you're giving up being in charge. It's giving up ownership of being in charge. It's saying yes to an apprenticeship that's intended to change you. See, the the call to follow Jesus, it's so radical, it's so revolutionary, it's so countercultural, it's so different. Jesus said this, get this, you you think being a follower of Jesus, it's different. here's, Here's a few things he said. When someone slaps you in the face, you turn the other cheek. Now, what do we want to do? I'm slapping you back. You know what I'm saying? Like, we want to we want to hurt someone back. But Jesus says, that he said, if you're going to follow me, someone slaps you in the face, you're going to turn the other cheek. He said something like this. He, he said, if someone comes along and they take your shirt, you give them your jacket as well. Hold on. No, the, there's no way. And so that's what he's calling us. He, he's saying this, and this one's a tough one. For me and for every single person in this room, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who hate you. How many of you guys, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but you know someone in school who, who picks on you, who hurts you, who beats on you, whatever it is. I don't want to pray for that guy. I want to set up a trip line and booby trap him and explosions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to pray for him. He's, but Jesus is saying, love your enemies. That's different than what everyone else says that you should be doing. I can guarantee you this, though. If you pray for those bullies, if you pray for those people who pick on you, it's hard not to love them. It, it makes it harder to hate that person. He also says stuff like give, give to people in need, um, give without bragging about it. Hey, here's a sandwich for a homeless guy, selfie, like, you know, like give without bragging about it. Um, don't post it, you know, he said, give uh, without, just be generous, bless people. Um, be, he says stuff like this before you go around judging others about the, the little issues that they have. He's saying, check yourself. Check out the huge plank in your own eye. So the cost of following Jesus, it starts with desire. It starts with desire. Now, I, I have to go live it. I have to live what he says, which brings us to another question. The second thing is this. It's a question of decision. So would you rather, am I, well, am I really willing to do to not do my plans, or would I rather do what's best for me? So that's not only a, a huge question, but it's an everyday question. It's a daily question. 
I hate this question because I, I love my plans. Like I've got plans and I love my plans and my plans are awesome. And my, my ideas for how I want to live my life are good. And my plans are exciting. I, I've got comfort designed for my life. Um, and, and myself, it's really, really important to me to have some of these plans and to be comfortable. That's how, how I roll. And this is the map, the life that I've mapped out for myself. Like it's pretty sweet. So here's the tension. My natural plans spring from my selfishness. When I make it all about me, this is what I want to do. I want to go here. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. Uh, I'm, 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 a lot of us in this room, we're probably kind of selfish when it comes to things. And I'm guessing I'm not alone. Like, um, went to eat not long ago at Chick-fil-A. Because <clears throat> I love Chick-fil-A, right? So I went to Chick-fil-A, and I noticed, like, the parking lot was full, and this parking spot was coming open, like, around on the other side. What do I do? <clears throat> I peel out to try to get to that parking spot, and I cut off some old people and to get to that parking spot. I hustled from the car. I parked, hustled from the car to get into Chick-fil-A, to beat the other people who were walking into Chick-fil-A. Because I'm selfish. Like, I, I Halloween, I took my kids out, like, getting candy and all this kind of stuff. Um, and, and I take all the Reese's. It's dad tax. This is just what I do. It's my dad tax for taking them out. And, and it's selfish. Like, I want, how many of you guys, you're like, you, you sort your candy out and like, here's all the good candy I keep. And you like put it in a little pocket and like everyone else can kind of share the other stuff. Like it's kind of, you know, and so here's the deal. <clears throat> I'm not as selfish though, as I used to be. As an apprentice, I'm learning from Jesus more about my selfishness and how to release my plans for what Jesus has for me. And I'm also learning this, and this is, a pretty cool thing. Like when I surrender my plans for his plans, Jesus supports and he rewards those decisions. He blesses me when I surrender myself to follow what he's got for me. I, I want to read this verse and it's Matthew six thirty three, and, and, and it says this seek. And I added these, you can see, I added this, this in the little quotes there. Um, because it says seek. Seek is another word for desire. Well, I'm going to read it all, and then I'll come back and break it down. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's in Matthew 6, But let's break it down. He says seek, and, and, and desire is another word for seek. And he says the kingdom of God, which the kingdom of God is the ways of Jesus. And then he says, above all else, like even bigger than my own personal agenda, live righteously, which are the actions of a disciple. And he's saying, if you do all this, the result is he'll give you everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. Seek equals desire. The kingdom of God means the ways of Jesus above all else is bigger than my agenda. Live righteously. It talks about your actions and being a disciple. 
Living my life as an apprentice to Jesus, it means two things. It means blessing and favor, reward, a prize. And the second thing is this, sacrifice. It means sacrifice. That's the other thing it means. And you guys, a lot of you guys know what sacrifice means. As, as a disciple, there can't be one without the other. Here's the deal. We want all the good stuff. We want the prizes. We want the gifts. We want the favor. We want to be first in line. We want what we want. But we, a lot of times we don't realize and we don't talk about the sacrifice that comes with being a follower of Jesus. Because there can't be one without the other. We love to talk about the good that the, the disciples experience, the blessing, the good stuff, the money that comes in or the, the whatever, the food or being shown favor. But we also need to be reminded that the first disciples, they were exiled. They were killed. They were imprisoned. They were executed. And that was all on a good day. I want you guys to, to write this down. I want you to read this. It, it's a long, I want you to read this on your own. It's, it's a long uh, portion of scripture, but I want you to read. I want you to go home tonight and read this and kind of know it for yourself. But it talks about blessing and sacrifice. It's in Matthew 10, and it's verses 1 through 42. It's a good chunk of scripture. That's why I'm not reading it tonight. I want you to go home and read that tonight. Matthew 10, verses uh, 1 through 42. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, Jesus, he basically, he sends out 12 disciples to go be salt and light. And, and he's like, you'll do stuff no one else can do. But here's the sacrifice. You'll be hated. You'll be persecuted. You'll be run out of town. It's really cool. You need to read it. But in Matthew 10, 39, part of that, it, um, later on, it says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake, that's the picture of sacrifice right there will find it, the true life. They'll find blessings. See, being a disciple of Jesus, it's losing my plans to his plans. Um, it's making his way my primary concern. Um, could we have our band come back up? And I'm closing and I'm wrapping up and I'm done. <clears throat> here's, here's what a lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians do. Um, they believe in Jesus. A lot of Christians, yeah, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, that's that's what we're supposed to do. Until following Him messes with our plans. Until following Him messes up something in our lives, then they choose to go their own way, and and then we act surprised when our way doesn't lead to blessing, and it's instead we we end up in a life of hurt and pain and just wondering what's going on. Um, most of the pain and heartache that I hear, it always goes back to people choosing their way over Jesus. And if you really think about it, your own personal things, that, and I know there's people around you who do things who affect you, who cause hurt and pain, but think about your own decisions. And most of the times, the ones that call you, cause you yourself hurt and it causes you pain, it always points, will mostly always point back to you choosing your way over Jesus' way. And the third and final thing is this. Um, 
It's a question of devotion. It's a question of devotion. What am I building my life on? What am I building my life on? A, a disciple builds his or her life on the rock. A, a Christian builds her, his or her life on the sand. And, and, and it's easily wiped out. Matthew seven twenty four to 27, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, action, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the storms rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, but it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain come down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. That first part of verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine, but doesn't put them into practice, but doesn't use action. A lot of us, we can come to church and we can say, I'm Christian, but our actions, we never, we don't show it. And it's, you, it's like you've built your house, you've built your foundation on sand. And the storms are going to come and, and the, the things of life is going to come and the hurts and the pains and the pressures of life are going to come at you. And you're going to crumble and you're going to fall and you're going to fall into sand because your foundation isn't built on Jesus Christ. One of the beautiful things about Jesus is this. He didn't force you he didn't force you to love him. We choose to follow him. He lovingly and graciously, he, he kind of paints this picture of us following him and says, would you rather? Would you rather prefer your way or would you rather prefer my way? And here's what we're going to do. And, and as we sing and as, and as, as we um, worship together, I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus. Think about, am I just, am I a Christian? Am I just saying the right words? Am I playing the right games? Am I doing the right things? Or am I really a disciple? Am I really a follower of Jesus? And as you have your eyes closed and messing around with no one around you, I, I want you to just think to yourself and just pray to yourself and pray to God and, and just say, God, I, I want to live for you. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower of you with everything that I have. If that's truly your heart tonight, I want you to pray that. And I want you to pray that with purpose and to pray that with passion and to lay it all on the line for Jesus tonight. And and I want that to be your prayer. It's like less of me, God, and more of you. I want your direction. I want your guidance. I want you leading me every step of the way.